Warning, do not drink in podcast. The results are evident in this episode. Please drink responsibly. Welcome, episode three time, and uh, we'd just like to thank you, first of all, because uh, we've been getting plenty of listens, likes, shares, and uh, some lovely reviews you've given us on Apple, very much appreciate those. Yeah, thank you for those guys, they they really do mean a lot to us. Yeah, it does, like, I mean, watching Sarah look at our little phone when it lights <laughs> up and getting all excited, going, someone else likes us, is dead cute, <laughs> for a grown woman. Yeah. Yeah. But no, every review counts. And yes, had, it does. Had some lovely ones, so thanks for that. And um, also thanks for the suggestions that you sent in to us. Yeah, it's nice that we don't have to think of everything. Yeah. Even though, you know, it's us and we've put this out, we should. But it's nice that other people give us ideas. Exactly. What have we had, Matthew? Well, Caleb O'Neill got in touch and uh, Gin Jellies was the suggestion there. Which I am definitely willing to make. Yeah, because you you said I think in gin news last episode you 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 drifted off a bit at the end. Yeah, I wanted a gin gummy. I just really wanted one right then. <laughs> and uh, to the rescue came Caleb, who's given us a recipe yeah. for gin jellies. Yeah, but we have amended that recipe because I'm lovely, uh, so you can try them as well. Yeah, we got some uh, vegetarian gelatin, some sea vegetables. Oh, that'll apparently. taste. That'll taste great. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't like seaweed? <laughs> so they will come in a future episode. We also had another one, didn't we? Yes, number one, Jin Lian, who is uh, a blogger, I believe. Yeah, um, they suggested that we do a uh, a drink-along. So we get everyone involved. and I mean, we're, we're not live, we don't broadcast live, but um, we can still do it where we all sit down and uh, and have a, have a drink together. We can put the gin in the description. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. And oh, number one, Gin Lane also gave us some lovely feedback as well. Yeah, so. they, were, they were delightful as well. Yeah, so thanks for that. So today we're going to look at uh, the Victorian era and how gin starts to move into the gin palaces and a very new age for the drink. Um, Delicious. Yeah. And we're, in extravagant surroundings. Yeah, but then we're also going to uh, take it back down to the gutter and make pearl. Um, now, in episode one, people really enjoyed the sound of you retching yeah, over know, dog's it, nose. It's odd, that, isn't it? <laughs> it's, like, it's like an audio jackass. <laughs> but, um, uh, and funnily enough, um, we, we've, been, we've been infusing this pearl for weeks now in order to make this. I think we made a mistake with the weeks. We need, <laughs> a, we need to learn our timelines for infusion. Yeah, so we'll talk you through how to make it, and there may be retching. Mm. We'll see. Um, but I think we also we've also got a bit of an apology, haven't we, for what's about to come on the show? Do you show. know what? I'm not going to apologise. I'm not going to apologise for enjoying <laughs> what we we absolutely endorse. Okay, because in this episode, now we're recording this introduction after the fact. Um, because when we recorded this episode over the course of a it was a bank holiday weekend, we thought we'd have a have a drink while recording. Yeah. Huge mistake. I mean, not a huge mistake. Huge measures. <laughs> We were drinking... Uh, we free-poured, that was the problem. Yeah, we free-poured some Aberforth's bathtub gin, which is delicious, oh God, by the way. such a good gin. Um, and while we were... We can't um, even do a review of it, just uh, listen to how much we enjoy it, <laughs> and that is the review of it. But it does descend into... It's just completely incoherent by the end of this It's episode. not incoherent, it's... 
It's, it's, it's the sound of lovely people having a bloody lovely sunny bank holiday. That's what it was. All, right, but all I'll say is that editing this was one of the biggest challenges. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Good luck getting through this one. That's all I'm saying. We, I think we've managed to edit it down to something that makes a reasonable amount of sense. Mm. But my word, listening back to it, the... the uh, oh, there was some, uh, there was yeah. some tangents. <laughs> yeah, there were some tangents. But um, we hope you enjoy it anyway. And uh, do, do, drink, do drink responsibly. Well, just enjoy yourself and stop <laughs> living by other people's laws. God. <laughs> So what have we covered so far? So in the last two episodes, we've been looking at the history of gin. Um, we started with the beginnings of gin and spirit. Then we moved on to the gin craze. Yep. Started getting a bit naughty. Started getting a bit naughty. And um, we ended it in 1751 when the gin craze was coming to an end. Coming to an end. Dead and buried? Good question. Indeed, we will answer question. it in this in this episode. Before we start, would you like a glass of gin? Yes, I would. Of course, I would. It's a stupid question to even ask. Would you like Just a slice of gin. lime in that? Of course, I'd like a slice of lime. I'm not a bloody idiot. <laughs> so um, during this thing, we're, we're, we're going we're to just enjoy a bloody gin. It's bank holiday. That's what we're doing it on. So uh, we're going to have a bathtub today. It's not. We're not. We're not going to do a tasting of this today. We just literally want to have a drink. Yes. Yeah. Um, this is the most difficult bottle of gin I've ever had to open in my entire life. Covered in wax with a string that goes up it. So oh. this is um, Ableforth's bath, bathtub gin, cask aged. Nothing better than the fresh opening of a bottle of gin. Popping of a cork. Some say a child's smile, but they can piss off. <laughs> Normally you would measure these out. We are free pouring. And let's try a little bit of Fentimans. What kind of Fentimans? Oh, pink grapefruit tonic water. We've gone wild. We've got lime in Who there. Do and we? we've got pink grapefruit. Who do we think we are? The audacity. Say stop. 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 We're drinking from balloon glasses. Matthew loves a, a balloon glass. Yes, I do. You can... you can get a good old waft. Yeah, it is. Cheers, everyone. Oh, God, that's good gin, though. Isn't that good? That is good gin. Bathtub gin. So num, botanical. Num. Yes. Yeah, we're here to drag gin out of the gutter in this episode because this is all about the... I like it being in the gutter. No, you're not wrong, but um, there's some really, really cool, badass people drinking it in this episode. Ooh. Some of my all-time heroes feature uh-huh. in this episode, and I'm very excited. Um, Iron Man, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah Deadpool, Man. Superman, yeah. She-Ra. Yeah, you've run out of heroes, haven't you? Yep. You've run out of superheroes. Yep. Cool. So I'm going to start this chapter with a funeral. Oh, good old. Glad I've got this gin to cheer us up. <laughs> So imagine this, a, pro- a procession of stillers are marching behind a coffin as it's carried through the streets of St Giles in London. <laughs> Some of the mourners are rolling drunk in the gutters. Children and dogs are running riot in the street as the, uh, the this dead the, is... Is this the Goonies? <laughs> it's not the Goonies, but can, can you guess who might be in the coffin? By the way, this is a, a satirical sketch that was published in 1751. Oh, I see. So it's like a, a cartoon. Yeah. Hmm, who would be in the blue? Is it a member of the royal family, perhaps? No. Someone who was against gin? No. I'll tell you. Okay. It's Madame Jennifer. No! It's gin herself. No! Yeah, this was... Um... I'm in mourning. So this sketch was published in 1751, shortly after Hogarth's Gin Lane, and shortly after the 1751 Gin Act, which was the most successful of all the acts that tried to clamp down on gin drinking. Boo! Yeah. So the idea was that it was lamenting the passing of Madame Geneva um, and showing how London's poor had been 
released, as it were, from their captivity. Um, but they were mourning her passing as if they had Stockholm Syndrome. It's crazy, isn't it, to think that gin was considered a scummy drink. Yeah. About 500 years down the line. I mean, Buckfast's not going to be celebrated, is it? You know what I mean? You never know. Kestrel super strength. <laughs> it's not going to be... There's not, Nobody's going to Kestrel super strength Lynn. No, but... But so, it's not going to be like... they're not gonna, You see, we've got gin palaces. They're not going to have Kestrel super strength boudoirs. No, but there are some things that were really scummy, say, in, in our childhood in the 90s that are now considered like quite cult and quite cool. Yeah. Shell suits. Shell, exa- exactly. Yeah. Shell suits and, you know, certain curtains. brands. Yeah, curtains. It's all, it, all became, it all became a bit retro. Mm. She did have a very scummy reputation, did Madame Jennifer. Poor lass. Um, and so do you think at this point we stopped drink, drinking gin? I mean, obviously if she's dead. No. Did we? Fuck. No, we didn't. Um, production and consumption had slowed down. Like I said, there was the recent Gin Act, and then there was also a series of poor grain harvests. But this didn't mean the death of Madame Geneva. Her coffin was very much empty. Um, <laughs> this was just the beginning of a, a sort of a different era for Gin, really. She faked her death. She sort of faked her own death in a way, Sneaky. yeah. So society was changing around this time. So previously, gin drinking was seen as a sin of the poor, and gin sellers were seen as, you know, the peddlers of vice. So with the Industrial Revolution, we started to change our attitude towards this potentially lucrative gin trade. So we were getting a bit of a more sort of free market kind of ethic about us. And instead of thinking, oh, you know, let's ban these gin sellers, we started to think, actually, could this be a great thing for our economy? These two factors, the changing attitude towards Britain's poor, the changing attitude towards alcoholism and the changing attitude towards commerce had served to kind of shift the stigma off poor old Madame Jennifer's shoulders a little mm-hmm. bit. She had enough to worry about. She was looking after a lot of poor people. <laughs> looking after. Yes. Ta- taking care taking of. Taking care of. So Madame Jennifer was alive and well, but she was just taking a different form. So she started creeping into the homes of the British middle and upper classes and their first inroad into those homes was through their medicine cabinet. Cheeky. Just as we'd seen with Samuel Pepys back in 1663, now in the mid to late 1700s, once again, gin was becoming seen as a medicinal remedy. There was one notable physician called John Brown, and he started to prescribe gin and other substances. Opium was another one. <laughs> he sounds like a good... Yeah, he sounds fun. Yeah, I mean, I think he took quite enthusiastically to his own medicine. I, I was looking at a picture of him the other day, and he had, the, you know, he's got this kind of ruddy, ruddy look about him, as if he's been on the on the source. And I think he may have died of some kind of mm. related illness. But he started to prescribe gin and opium for things like hysteria and mm-hmm. overstimulation. Oh, those those Victorian things. These these. <laughs> Well, it's, we're still pre-Victorian, but yeah. These An account kind of, of the wild eyes. Ex- exactly, <laughs> yeah. you know, the kind of thing that, you know, uh, housewives would, would lie on a couch. Well, I think it. your husband has superior fingers, madam. <laughs> he should have gin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was all Mr. Brown. Nonsensical <laughs> Victorian uh, illnesses. Yeah, indeed. Um, and Charles Dickens also wrote about some of these kind of cures that the upper and middle classes were taking. So in the Pickwick Papers, it's used as a hangover remedy by Sam Weller. And in David <laughs> Copperfield, Mrs. C likes to take it as a, as a pick-me-up with a bit of clove. Right. Of course, it's a hangover cure. <laughs> if you're consistently drunk, you never get a hangover. 
Hair of the dog. Yeah? Yeah. Hair of the Baskervilles. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when we record an episode while drinking gin. So this medicine proved miraculously effective and um, we, we started to find well-to-do housewives holding so-called tea parties in which they were slipping gin into their teacups. Is, well, there's still a lot of imagery that still about uh, Hendrix. Oh, with the teacups. Hendrix sell the teacups, uh, and I think that, uh, I've got one of them. In they the house. do, and yeah. I, yeah, and I've been to a. And there's a lot of gin tea cocktail party. bar yeah, yeah, yeah. where you get yeah, a the tea pot. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of um, like it, it was at Edinburgh Festival a couple of years ago. They had the, the garden party, and everyone all the gin was there with the Victorian etchings, and uh, it all had the teapots and the and the teacups. That's how you got your gin served in the teacups. I mean, once you've had five teacups, like, you're doing all right. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I think it is around this time that you did start to see some of the things that we still associate with gin today starting, yeah. to, starting to come yeah. about. So the other market for gin around the sort of start of the 19th century were the romantic poets. So, right, you'll love that, will you? Yeah. Here we go. I'm very excited about this. <laughs> so some, of my, some of my biggest heroes... Shelley and Byron, mm-hmm. uh, they they loved, They would have loved the fact that gin had a bit of a grubby past. I mean, they were they were rebellious ar- aristocrats. So Shelley wrote about you know the mask of anarchy, and he got um, Shelley uh, Percy Bysshe Shelley. Mm. So yeah, he was uh, he was a poet uh, around the early eighteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. Husband to Mary. Mary Shelley. So yeah, Shelley had been expelled from Oxford for distributing leaflets on the necessity of atheism. Byron also went to Oxford. He kept a bear in his room. A what? Yeah. Just in his room? Just in his room. What kind of bear? I don't know. I think it was Teddy? a small It was a small bear. I think it was either a small black bear or a small brown bear. Paddington. Mm. So they were wealthy. They were rich. He had probably had access to a bear. God knows how. <laughs> the rich often do have access to <laughs> Exotic animals, don't they? Yeah, but they... Scorpius as tiger, for example. Yeah, but they were, you know, the ultimate libertines and they used gin as a kind of creative muse. And Byron was given this... Have you ever heard the phrase mad, bad and dangerous to know? Yes, of course. That phrase was uh, used first used to describe Byron. Really? Yeah, because he was... Um, he was a heavy drinker. They dabbled in other substances. They were very wild, and uh, and gin was was one of their favourite things to drink. And much later, this would be in the in the eighteen forties. Branwell Bronte, so the brother of Emily Anne and Charlotte Bronte, definitely one of your heroes. Absolutely one of my hugest heroes, Emily in particular. But Branwell Bronte, he was obviously less well known than his sisters, and he had a bit of a history of alcoholism. And the very last letter that he wrote was a letter begging his friends to bring him gin. So, but, you know, caused his downfall, but nevertheless was associated with this kind of artistic Such a deep tapestry as gin. It is a rich tapestry. Isn't it indeed? Yes, indeed. If Shelley and Byron had lived in the time of old Captain Dudley Bradstreet's rudimentary uh, vending Vending machines, machines, yeah. They'd have absolutely loved it. He was a talented bloke. Yeah. I liked him. How do you... How do you think he got the gin to them? He spoke into a tube to tell them it was ready and then he poured the gin through a tube into their cup. Is this initially how you thought he did that? No. No. Can, do you tell, tell everyone how you thought he distributed the gin down I, those tubes? I thought he took a mouthful of gin and then dispensed the gin from his mouth like a, a mother bird feeding its baby bird. Gin. Even in Victorian England, people would have found that a bit much. Do you not think? Yes, I'm ashamed of myself. Yeah, you should be. 
Okay, in general, for gin drinkers, with its newly sort of elevated position in society, they were look, probably looking for somewhere else to kind of drink their gin, other than these grubby gin shops or Mr. Bradstreet's vending machine. Um, so, we in the 1820s, we started to see the, a new type of drinking establishment springing up across Britain, and that was... Um, Weatherspoons. <laughs> Yes, the first ever J.D. Weatherspoons. It was the Gin Palace. Gin Palace. So Gin Palaces were characterised by two things. Firstly, their opulence, in terms of their architecture and their decoration. Mm -hmm. And two, their quick-fire service. So it's a very different type of service. Yeah. Like McDonald's for gin. Like an Aldi checkout. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So outside of these Gin Palaces, gaslights would, you know, tempt in the cold passers-by. And gaslights were quite a new invention. Be like neon signs now, you know? Like, like neon signs. <laughs> yeah. Girls, 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 yeah. Yeah, or even those, you know, really ultra-modern digital kind of billboards you get outside. Yeah, yeah. Tech shops and that kind of thing. Inside, they were all kind of velvet and mahogany and chrome. They were really richly decorated. Charles Dickens, in fact, noted that they... Um, in, in contrast to the, you know, the grubby, muddy London streets, they were all, all brilliant and dazzling. I'd be good if I'd put a nice carpet in, though. <laughs> Imagine the shit that people came in. Yeah, I very much doubt they had carpets. But, you know, they certainly had these, uh, you know, illuminated clocks and plate glass windows, chrome bars, mahogany. Um, so they were, they were absolutely gorgeous inside. But unlike pubs, they weren't designed to entertain you for hours and hours. You didn't go in you didn't read your newspaper and have a chat and have your dinner there was no there were no lodgings there was very little seating uh, so it would be you know people would walk in neck the gin leave and due to a new law that had just come out that was initially designed to reduce smuggling mm -hmm. it meant that british made spirits were going down in price again and that meant gin was getting cheaper again so you had these really opulent gin palaces but often the clientele were very very poor people were concerned that they were killing the sense of community because no one chatted there they... every year something else comes out doesn't it phones oh, what was it when we were kids i guess it was computer games and tv and mtv mtv <laughs> but yeah people have been community's gonna survive <laughs> I guess it's going to survive in new and different ways. Community can't die. Yeah. Everybody's got to be surrounded by people at some point. Yeah. Unless you live on the top of a mountain. But I guess the argument was that they weren't interacting with each other. Yeah. So they Roll weren't sitting around. Out the yeah, they weren't singing old shanties <laughs> yeah. at the end of the night. So many many publicans were resistant to this new form of drinking hole. But some drinking hole. Drinking well. The mouth. <laughs> Shut your drink hole, Matthew. Let me go on with Shut it. Shut your gin hole. <laughs> so, but some publicans embraced it and they were getting these elaborate makeovers, you know, these quickfire <laughs> makeovers. There's a reality TV show I'd like to see. Well, gin Palace Makeover. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess it was a bit like changing rooms with Lawrence Arrang Bowen going in with his MDF. Yeah, so what we're seeing now is we're seeing... Gin becoming a bit more respectable, but there were still parts of society that were concerned about, you know, gin palaces and what they meant for the community and what they meant for drunkenness. And in 1836, the newly established British and Foreign Temperance, British and Foreign Temperance Society, 
added fuel to the fire because they wanted to abolish drinking altogether. It sounded like a laugh. Oh God, I mean these were, the, this was one of the first temperance societies and when temp this temperance movement spread over to the state, that is what became responsible ultimately, albeit much later, for prohibition. Mm. Did we have but, prohibition over here? Did we, hell? Oh, of course. They tried. I mean, they certainly tried, and, and the, the first of their efforts happened around this time. Um, they didn't succeed, but they did manage to get a crackdown on drinking hours. So previously, Gin Palace had been open at all hours, uh, but they now imposed new licensing laws. And this was really the start of the licensing laws that we still see yeah. today, the Sunday licensing laws. So Sunday, it's all to do with the church, was it? Well, yeah, I guess it was to do with the fact that it was it was a religious day. Yeah. Uh, but it, these new licensing laws meant that gin palaces couldn't open before 1pm on a Sunday. Now, on Sundays, the streets were a lot more um, civilised. But on Saturday nights, people had a massive gin dash. Mm. You know, it was like supermarket sweep. People were filling up their shopping bags full mm. of gin so they could start drinking at home the next day. Um, you get takeaways from gin palaces, do you think? Oh, I'm sure you could get a carry-out, oh, yeah. Oh, God, I'm pretty sure anyone's, anyone's going to go, excuse me, so that is against the law. Yeah. I've got one leg. <laughs> I've just killed a bloke in front of the police and they're not bothered. Yeah. Now film my flagging. <laughs> now you say police. Film my flagging. <laughs> For no. <laughs> you say police, but the, the Metropolitan Police were just, I think they were newly established. So these new licensing laws were seen by some, particularly some liberal commentators, as an attack on the poor because... Gentlemen's clubs didn't have the same. Ah, yeah, there you can. Yeah. And one, one time I was hunting in Africa. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but this, this is a good example of how society was becoming a bit more liberal and a bit more understanding and sympathetic towards the poor. So, Dickens himself had argued that, um, in his exact words, gin drinking is a great vice in England, but wretchedness and dirt are greater. Until you improve the homes of the poor, gin shops will increase in number and splendour. Oh. Yeah. Which is, uh, alcoholism still got a problem today? Absolutely. Uh, you know, s social deprivation. Mm -hmm. equals, uh, equals alcoholism. Yeah. Uh, and also, people had no heating in their homes. They were freezing. Yeah. Sometimes they hadn't had dinner. So, you know, they just went out looking for a bit of comfort in these gin palaces. Mm -hmm. And wa literally warmth. Mm -hmm. For three minutes before they got kicked out, apparently. <laughs> yeah, very true. So we're going to leave this story in the 1830s when, obviously, as we know, Madame Jennifer is still very much alive. What, what? The, yeah, the, she's moved from the gutter into the palaces. It's a success story we all can relate to. Yeah. And she'd moved into gin palaces up and down the country. And I realise this history of gin has been a little bit London-centric. And that's mainly because the, the vast majority of the British population was in London. So I should point that out. That we, we were busy working up here. Well, actually, yeah. you know, And, and gin drinking had really started spreading into the northern cities by this point because the Industrial <laughs> Revolution was... Still get called names for drinking gin up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, you having a gin? <laughs> yeah. who, who do you think you are? <laughs> yeah. So we'll leave you here where gin is in this halfway house between grime and grandeur. But I just want to say one more thing because it's really important, which is that it wasn't only the sort of social reputation of gin that was changing, but it was also literally the taste of gin that was changing. About time. Yeah, because... Because from the stuff we've tried yeah. back then, it is... It's not the best thing in the world. No, so we've tried Pearl and we've tried Dog's Nose. Ooh. 
which were disgusting, but also very heavily laden with sugar. Yeah. And that's, that's really key because up until the 1830s, gin was laden with sugar because it was so crudely made mm. that you had to sweeten it with sugar. Um, but firstly, the Victorians, they were quite body conscious. They didn't want their teeth to rot. So they were getting becoming a little bit more wary of drinking sugar. But another factor was a one Mr. Coffee, an Irish man, he invented a new kind of still. Mm -hmm. which enabled us to create a much, much purer spirit that tasted a heck of a lot better than the gin that we'd been drinking Why up is he hailed as a national hero? Where's his national holiday? Well, he's hailed as a bit of a hero, but there's also a bit of talk about the fact that, and if you're a, if you're a descendant of Mr. Coffee, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a very similar device that had been invented, but not patented. Little tinker. Yes. But let's let's say, for the sake of argument, that Mr. Coffee invented. Let's not go out with two hundred year old beef copyright. No, beef. exactly. <laughs> um, so this new type of spirit that was created in the coffee still didn't need to be sweetened, and that was really timely because one, Victorians they didn't like drinking loads of sugar. Victorian Vogue. Yeah. Well, <laughs> is it thou size zero? <laughs> well, it kind of was because if you think about it. What what do you what's the first thing you think about female Victorian fashion around this time? Um, massive dresses with big horses. I was I was going to say the corset, but yeah, the corset and the bustle. Mm -hmm. So you know they would have these incredibly lead paint. That was a thing on the faces. I don't think that was in the Victorian times. I think that was more in the Elizabethan <sighs> times. That's what I know. But yeah, you That's know. That's why you do the history and I do the <laughs> drinking of the gin. But cinched in waist, waist Yes, lines. of course I. The whalebone. Yeah, the whalebone corset, exactly. And uh, there Good was... reason to wipe out a species. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, yeah. So they were delighted to be able to drink gin with less sugar in it. And also... It was like diet, diet. It was oh, kind I... of like diet booze. And over in the Isle of Dogs, we were getting... I love dogs. I love dogs too. <laughs> we were getting... <laughs> oh. Dogs are class, aren't they? I can love dogs. Love to drink gin with dogs. Should we talk about dogs for a bit? Shall we move on? We'll move on. Yeah. It's not really relevant as a dog. <laughs> not even cute Dutchins. If anyone is uh, breeding Italian greyhounds and wants to give Mother's Room Podcast one as a mascot, then feel free to get in touch with us. Thank you. Can I just say this is our third episode and it's probably going to take us the longest to edit out of all of our episodes. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> we're drinking gin. What else are you going to drink? Vodka. Like a vodka idiot. Oh my god. <laughs> I wouldn't <dare> drink vodka. <laughs> Ooh, look at me, I'm drinking vodka. Why? Oh, I don't like to taste anything ever. I don't like the flavour, I just like to pour loads of fruit in it. Hey, I bet the vodka drinkers still drink sugar in their vodka. <laughs> Instead, over in the Isle of Dogs, we were getting all of these uh, exotic herbs and spices. Exotic herbs and spices? Yeah, from for the, example. Uh, for example, cardamom, mm. angelica root. All sorts of wonderful things. Don't think I've ever smacked my lips at, uh, <laughs> at a root. <laughs> you never smacked your lips at a potato? No. Chips? No. I've seen you smack your lips at chips a few times. I've seen you time. smack your lips at chips. What kind of, what kind of <laughs> sentence is that? We're never drinking gin and recording again. Uh -oh. <laughs> a very bad idea. So, so, yeah, this was at a time when we had access to all of these herbs and spices and we could use those instead of sugar... To flavour our gin. And this created a whole new era for the taste of gin. Mm. Now, 
this what do you think the name was for this new type of gin in which we didn't have to use any sugar? Salty gin. It was London Dry. Correct. Costs correct. I know all this stuff that you're telling us. So this, yeah, this was the advent of London Dry Gin, and that's pretty much what what we generally drink today. Mm-hmm. Is this London Dry bathtub? I don't know. I can't bother to read all that. It's forty-three percent. Jesus, that's okay. So we've just we've just glanced at the bathtub gin label and realised it's forty-three percent, and that's why this episode is a mess. It's not. It's great. Before we go, on this note, we have. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Terrible joke. Can I just recommend some reading again? Oh, God, he's such a square. Oh, but this this is a great book, and this book has been amazing this week, especially... I mean, it, it's a great book in terms of just generally the history of gin, but this week, with the Victorian era, particularly fascinating. It's called Gin Glorious Gin by Olivia Williams. Um, give it a go. So if you're interested to find out a little bit more, get into them. But I would recommend listening to us. It's better than reading it. <laughs> gin News. Headlines today. Boost your gin intelligence with a gin diploma. New Kids on the Rocks, two exciting debuts. Livers braced for World Gin Day. Boost your gin intelligence with a gin diploma. What on earth could this be, Matthew? I imagine it's a gin diploma. <laughs> a diploma in gin. The surgeon gin's popularity has now given rise to the first ever gin diploma. The one-day course, that cannot be long enough, can it? Well, that's that's pretty good. You walk away after a day drunk with a diploma. Yeah. Sounds like the, the best course ever. Does, doesn't it? Yeah. I imagine it's the same for a uh, clown school. The one-day course, which will take place once a month, is run by the Edinburgh Whiskey Academy. Just a minute, I'm seeing a hole in this. They obviously know their spirits. Know their spirits. Attendees will learn about the history of gin, the different styles of gin, distillation and botanicals, and will emerge with an SQA-accredited diploma. I think that's great. I mean, qualifications are getting more specific these days, aren't they? Absolutely. They're getting very... Like, I heard two lads talking the other day, and they were talking about what they were going to go off and study at uni, and one of them said they were going to go and study... Airport and airline management. Now, that's that's great. He knows what he wants to do with his life. That's brilliant. But that's very specific. Isn't it? So, you know... So what, we... you want to be an uh, ice rink cleaner? <laughs> like, not, like, not just a cleaner. He's like, specific to ice rinks. <laughs> Sweet shop management. Sweet shop management. Oh, mm, mm, Imagine. Mm, 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 that's me eating all the sweets. <laughs> so, yeah, I say, I say good on them. Yeah. Let's go yeah. and do it. I want to do it. In yeah. fact, I'm going to look into that and I'm going to do it. Okay. New Kids on the Rocks, two exciting debuts. Two new gins come onto the market recently with their own distinct character. First of all, Oro, which is a nice, simple name, isn't it? Yeah. A slow distilled gin with the Lockerbie Company describes it as the first Scottish dry gin. Interesting. It's like, as opposed to the London dry, I yeah. imagine. Yeah. It's the product of extensive scientific research. <laughs> Do you, I just picture when just everyone says... Just drinking I, it. Yeah, I just like, yeah, yeah, this is science. That's how I uh, get away with this. Oh, it's like our podcast. Yeah. That's the whole reason for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's for entertainment value. <laughs> drink. It's drink. science. Science. Uh, anyway, it's the product of extensive scientific research, apparently. Okay, From so the what? dilution point and solvent extraction uh, to the particular type of still used. It's distilled with 15 botanicals, including juniper, mm. obs, vanilla and coriander. Oh, that sounds amazing. It does sound nice, doesn't it? <sighs> Let's get our mitts on some oro. Yeah. 
And secondly, raven, Jane. You're a big fan of the raven. Very intelligent birds. You like... can learn to speak yeah. for a start. Ravens? Yeah. Ravens and crows. That whole family of birds, minor birds, they can all learn how to speak. I imagine ravens would have a evil kind of deep voice. Hey. I am a raven. Hey. What is that Sorry. voice? Why would it talk like that? Well, it's a bird. It's got to be a croaky voice, hasn't it? What? No, that's a frog. Anyway, t- tell us about this actual brand. <laughs> good, good point. The product of Aberdeen-based Raven Spirits, the Raven Gin. It's launched this weekend, created by two brothers. The gin is inspired by Hugin and Munin, the pair of ravens belonging to Norse god Odin. Now, the names mean thoughts and memory, respectively. So, Hugin is thoughts and Munin is memory. Interesting. The raven owner, Callum Sim. I wonder if he just owns that already, but whether he owns two ravens. <laughs> two Raven owner Callum Sim founded the business after two decades of practising as a lawyer. While his brother Peter has worked in the bar industry previously, the gin promises to be fresh on the nose, light and smooth on the palate. This but sounds... This sounds. I, I would absolutely... It does sound lovely, and I have looked into this gin. It looks delightful. Now, livers braced for World Gin Day. The 9th of June sees the return of World Gin Day. Ah... Now in its 10th year, the global celebration is the ideal excuse to crack open your favourite bottle of Mother's Ruin. I mean, excuse. Yeah, who needs one? Exactly. Uh, so, yep, bars and distilleries throughout the UK will be holding events to look out for stuff happening in your area. The event is organised by Emma Stokes, known as Gin Monkey, uh, a scientist by day and barfly by night. Worldgindeer.com for more info there. Yeah, that's exciting. We are going to be... In Birmingham, I think. Yes, I think we will be and in Birmingham. there's loads of stuff happening I wanted there. to go to Jekyll and Hyde yes, bar. Yeah. Because apparently that is a very, very good gin bar. Yeah. So I will be checking that out. But, uh, yep. And that is Gin News. Thank you. Here we are. It's Mother's Ruin recipe section. This is one of the oldest... Gin drinks of all time. Decided to make that. I mean, we're very lucky these days with the amount of gins we've got. Uh, for example, Hendrix, with nothing but cucumber in. Other gins are available. Other gins are available. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, just as an example, that's got cucumber in, not the steaming filthy used to put in gin. For, I mean, some of the stuff we've got for this stuff, it, it sounds like it's going to make us want. It's going to be disgusting. It's going to be absolutely horrendous. Yeah. What's this one called then? This is called Pearl. So this was drunk. As a kind of medicinal stomach settler in the morning. A breakfast gin. A breakfast gin. gin. That sounds that sounds reasonable. <laughs> that doesn't sound like someone's making up excuses for their problems. <laughs> so it was it was kind of in replacement of ale, which used to spoil very quickly. So they found a way of um, adding loads of medicinal herbs to the ale. <laughs> so just basically turning Guinness into Calpol to yeah. make everything okay. And having it in the morning. Oh god. With, with your eggs. They're probably spoiled Probably than the ale. <laughs> So this predates gin by about a hundred years, apparently. Mm. Yeah. But the the thing is, we've got to make we've got to make the gin concoction because there is nothing like it. Yeah, I mean this this takes two weeks to actually yeah. infuse. So yeah. <laughs> so we've got to leave um, something in a jar for two weeks and then drink it. Yeah, with hot ale. Lovely. <laughs> we've got to heat so, it up as well. We've got to heat it up as oh, well. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. So this used to be also called wormwood ale. Wormwood's one of the principal ingredients of this, which worries me slightly because I think it might have sent James Joyce blind. Right. 
Well, um, and possibly lost him his life. Well, fortunately, this is a podcast, so we don't need to see anything. <laughs> uh, would you measure out what, what do we need? What do we need? We, right. need? we need some gin. That's what we, we need. We need some gin. We've gone for a Bombay just because we wanted something that wasn't too botanical yes. and kind of overpowering. The thing is, this was before gin, you see. Yeah, that's right. So pre gin, this would have been simply an ale with wormwood and other herbs in it, but then. In the sort of Victorian times when gin had become popular, then it started to become made with gin. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're just, we're treating ourselves we're treating to ourselves. a hot, ale and decent gin. Yes, in, indeed. So um, I'm crushing up some black pepper. How much of that? Three grams of the stuff. Three grams of black pepper. Imagine high and pepper into your drink. Why would you do that? What is wrong with people? I don't know. Some of the gin bars these days serve you a few peppercorns. Oh, peppercorns. Yes, gin. they do. Yeah. They do, yes. Uh, I'm not sure all... about three-week infused. Yeah, and three, week in, and three grams of the stuff. Yeah. A couple of peppercorns. You know what? That's quite fresh. Yeah. So while you're crushing the pepper, I'm just going to measure out the gin. That's the stuff. So 150 ml mm -hmm. of the gin. Yeah, still crushing. Bought a pestle and mortar specifically for this. Could have used the pepper grinder. Thought, no, let's do it the proper way. We're going to do it the traditional way today. Yep. So what I've done while you're doing that yes. is apparently wormwood these days you have to steep it in boiling water before using it. I imagine they just washed it in the Thames. Yeah. So I've done that. Say it washed. <laughs> Contaminated. Yeah. Bubonic and tonic players. <laughs> Gin and bubonic. That's good. That's good. Don't care. Don't care if nobody liked that. I'm good having one. it. Good I'm one. having it. Classic read. Classic read. Yeah, I had a little look at the possible side effects of of, um, mm -hmm. of wormwood. What would that be? It didn't really put my mind at rest. Oh, good. So side effects from consumption of wormwood include renal failure. Oh, good. Convulsions. Mm -hmm. This is my favourite one. Involuntary evacuations. <laughs> Involuntary evacuations. Everyone just standing in the car park waiting to get that back in. Abnormal respiration. Yeah, got that anyway. Uh, foaming at the mouth. Natch. Possibly death. All right. Yeah, or absinthe epilepsy. No, good, no, good. No. What else do we need, Nate? We need uh, grated nutmeg, one gram of. Yeah. Smells like lime. But almost with a sort of antiseptic sort yes, of Yeah, it does sound like a tang to it. Like a witch hazel. Right, that's three grams of beer leaves as well. I imagine this is like ASMR for some people. You relax to the sound of us making a disgusting concoction. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait till we start drinking it. There'll be no relaxing there at the sounds of us heaving. <laughs> so, having just talked about the dangers of wormwood. I have the uh, Culpepper's Complete Herbalist here. It has some potentially uh, positive effects. Good for dropsy and jaundice. Dropsy's a bloody great name, isn't it? <laughs> it opens obstructions <laughs> and works powerfully by urine. It's good in so all the views. If you piss it out, it's better for you. Well, or do you drink it with <laughs> urine? I, I don't know. This is probably quite close to what we'll be drinking in two weeks' time. Yeah. It's good in all the gues. Oh, yes. The gues. <laughs> um, when drunk morning and evening for some time, it helps hysterics, <laughs> obstructions of the spleen, weakness of the stomach. Oh, my spleen's been obstructed recently. <laughs> 
Well, I need my worms killing, and yeah. uh, that's that's one of the other things it oh, does. Kills worms. Kills worms. Brilliant. Resists poison. It's good for the liver and joints. Resists poison. Is this something from a fantasy game? Yeah, you know, <laughs> if, you, if, if you're the king and you're inviting that rogue knave over for dinner. Yeah, <laughs> kings always made that mistake, didn't they? How's the rogue knave? Does he fancy popping around for a chicken leg? Slip a bit of the old wormwood in there, right. fine wine. <laughs> right, I've got star anise. Do I, do I put this in? Just whole? Um, do you star anise, uh, uh, grind it up. You want to grind that yeah. up as well? Okay. Ugh, die. Scrunch. Just to get the old flavours coming through. Yep. Because um, I think when it's a garnish, they just serve it whole, don't they? Um, I don't know. Do you know, I've never had star anise before. I don't know. It's very, so. it's very nice. Now, there's times where I've gotten a gin, which is a lot of times, and they just go overboard with their garnish, you know? I think yeah. people need to settle down, because I got one the other day, and it was more fruit than it was drink. Mm. And blueberries, as delicious as they may be, don't change the flavour of your gin if you put them in because their skin is too tough, I think. Well, apparently there's a kind of a group of people who, oh, I say a group of people but, you a know, movement so cult. Uh, but apparently some people think putting tonic in gin is almost sacrilege I think Kingsley Amos yeah. the writer was one of these people and he said it was it was something like it was like putting ketchup on caviar and he just used to have his gin with um, Oops. with a little splash of water yeah well some people are idiots because tonic is lovely <laughs> that is my review of tonic so we've got the gin. Okay, well, oh, we'll... that smells good, though. Let's have a sniff. Uh, I sniffed loud to make sure you could record it. <laughs> As if you didn't believe I was sniffing. <sighs> oh, it's lovely. It's like aniseedy, isn't it? That smells absolutely delightful. It does, doesn't it, right? Maybe this isn't going to be so bad. It's the heat nut that makes me want yeah. to wreck. And the, and the beer. The ale. Yeah. Oh, uh, rosemary. That's some rosemary. One small gram. And sage. Quite a lot of sage. So much sage. Have we got that right? Yes, it's three grams. But sage doesn't weigh enough, does it? No, so it I suppose looks... it's just really light. It's gonna be, it's gonna be like chicken it's... stuff. <laughs> this is gonna be like a bloody, it's gonna be like a bolognese mix. <laughs> I don't need to crush that, but I'll just get it all ground up there. Look at that. Smell that. Oh. Get your beak in there. It smells like an apothecary, doesn't it? So we don't need this in anything, do we? We're just gonna bung it straight. In. Tell you what, let's do it how the ends do it. Just gonna bung it straight yep, in. You straight know, in. they, they had, they had other things to be getting on with. Yeah, like. Dying of boils. <laughs> uh, it actually um, looks really good. It does. It looks very medicinal. Yes. We have the video as well, by the way. We'll be putting the videos up online. We're filming this. Probably shouldn't be, because I don't look my best. <laughs> right. Now... Do we give it a star? I mean, it doesn't say to give it a star. Well, give it a... I'll give it a... Oh, God, that is going to be... Oh. <laughs> it's now turned into a kind of muddy puddle. Now... We'll, we'll take a photo of this. Let's have a, a quick whiff of it before we... Holy Lord Jesus. <laughs> Mother... <laughs> right. That'll uh... There's an infusion right there. That is. That is special. Well... So that's that's pearl. It's not pearl. That is the infusion four. we need. Stage one. We've got to leave that drink now for two weeks. Till the... F I assume the flavour. And the madness leaks <laughs> into the jar to infect our liver... Kidneys and mind. <laughs> Cheers.
back to two weeks after we started the pearl recipe, which is the concoction of what is it? So we've got in there, we've got um, black pepper, bay leaves, sage, gentian root, wormwood, star anise, nutmeg, rosemary, and that's it. And that's been... That's been stewing for two weeks, hasn't it? That's been stewing for two weeks. Um, looks like puddle water. It looks disgusting. It looks up, but the smell... The oh. smell is absolutely amazing. It smells like aniseedy. And, very uh, aniseedy. Very aniseedy. And, um, but now what we're going to do is... We're going to make pearl where you've got to put it into the dark ale. However, last time we tried dog's nose, that was with dark ale, and I did a spew. So <laughs> We've gone for a pale ale. We've gone for a pale ale. I'll be honest, it's probably going to happen again, because yeah. I don't like that either. Yeah. All about gin, beer, and dark ales can pretty much sell off. But you may keep it down for longer. But I'll make it down for longer. But this delicious stuff looks that good that we are going to actually just sieve a little bit of the side for a bit with tonic. We're going to half it, in fact. Half it. We? Yeah. So, um. we've, we've, um, so for the original recipe that we started working on, um, for the ale and the sugar, it had twice the amount that we're actually going to put in. But like you say, we've decided to put half the amount in and keep half the gin back, and then we're going to do a little tasting with some yes. kind of tonic water. Um, Fascinated about this gin. It smells so good. I mean, it looks foul. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is pour the ale into the pan now. So we've got, here we've got 250 millilitres of pale ale. Like I say, this was originally going to be 500 millilitres, but I've halved it. No, my so stomach is not in the mood. That's going to go into the pan. But it's been a fascinating, uh, f watching it, watch it. <laughs> I've been watching it go... Um, Change colour and all that over the weeks. Yeah, because it's it's because it looks like it looks like a swamp. Right. So yeah, let's let's sip it in. Oh, the sludge! So much sludge. We get it. Give it a squidge. Yeah. I mean, you could use any kind of sludge. I would imagine. <laughs> river sled. Yeah. Ri river sludge. River silt. Um, yeah. Just puddles. Yeah, puddle puddle garden water. Soil. No, that, right. I'll, I'll just pop that in there so it doesn't make this. And pop that in there as well. So we've come out of this with less, a lot less gin than we came in with. So we started with 150 millilitres of gin and now we've got 100 millilitres of gin. Oh shit, Lord's an <laughs> So that's all absorbed into the, the herbs and spices. Oh. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to put half of this into the pan. So, so I've put it on a gentle heat um, and as it warms I'm going to start... Um, I'm going to start sieving the sugar in. Now we've got, yes. here we've got 25 grams of brown, soft brown sugar and 25 grams of caster sugar. Like I say, originally it suggested 50 grams and 50 grams. I think we should have stayed the same with the sugar. <laughs> we probably should have. We, yeah. we, can, we can put more sugar in. but um, I mean, once I've tried it once, I don't think I'll be adding anything else and trying it again. I'll just give this a squeeze down. Oh, we've got plenty more out there. Oh, so thrifty. Good stuff. So thrifty. I put the sugar in and there's there's a fizzing fizzing commotion going on. A fizzing commotion? Yeah. Uh oh. So so the difference between this and dog's nose is this has got a heck of a lot more sugar in it. Yes. And um, if you caught the show on dog's nose, and um, that's almost a pared down version of Pearl. So dog's nose is just um Plain gin, not this uh, concoction we've come up with. Gin, a little bit of nutmeg and some ale and sugar, but this is gin. Loads of herbs and spices, loads of sugar. Let's have a look at this up to the light. <laughs> Let's not kill ourselves. 
Oh, that is that is bitty. That is bitty. That's very bitty. Yes. Okay. As per last time, I think perhaps I should be the first person to take. Yes, it. let's do that. Let's do that. So. So the way it looks, this looks. Um, it it just looks like a cup of uh, black coffee, really. It does. Yes. Yeah. So it's very dark. Um, it smells quite nice. Give me a niff. I can smell the yeah. herbs coming through. Yeah, the beers, the beers in the background, that and so smell that, that. I mean, it's still going to make us rich. All right. But I can still definitely get the whole, the aniseedy gin thing in there. Yeah. That's nice. So let's take a step back in time. Let's let's see what let's see what those Victorian scruffs were. Pre-Victorian. Do you know what? You're not going to like this, Matthew. No, no, I'm not. But I gave dog's nose. I think I gave dog's nose. Um, two out of ten. Any score for dog's nose? I think nose I gave it two out of ten. Other than don't go near it. I'm going to give this a four out of oh, ten. Oh, it's a four out of ten. Still not a good score, though, is it? I, I can taste the beer is quite strongly. It's still strong disgusting. So, have you got another drink on no, hand? No, oh, emergency squash. <laughs> oh, you've got your coffee. You have to have oh, I've got coffee. I've got coffee. Here we go. Professional. It's my job. Jesus, that is strong. But no retching. Oh, no retching this time. Oh, there's the beer. Okay, he is retching now. Oh, that, that's... <laughs> that is so strong. I'm going to have a bit more of that, you know. Without the beer, I think that's going to be nice. I can't wait to taste mm -hmm. it without the beer. Well, I wouldn't try that now. Should we get an ice cube? Or... Yes, yes. Let's get an ice cube. Let's have some bloody ice, you know. A word on ice cubes. So, What's your word on ice cubes? My word on ice cubes is that you may be thinking that the more ice you put in gin, the more the drink is going to get watered down. Is that, is that absolute bullshit? It's absolute bullshit, Matthew. Because... It's telling you these bloody stupid things. If you put one ice cube in, it's going to take uh, literally seconds to melt. Yeah. Um, or maybe a couple of minutes. But if you put several ice cubes in... Don't put them in yet. Okay, I've already put them in. That's right. fine, right. We have Fentiman's uh, Connoisseur. Fentiman's Connoisseur tonic water, which admittedly makes a lot of drinks taste a lot nicer anyway. It is beautiful. Do you want to taste it neat? We'll try, we'll try, I'm going to try a little sip of it neat. Oh god, that is absolutely horrible. Is it? Oh, <laughs> oh we were so wrong. Oh god. Oh, that is, that oh. is foul. Oh. <laughs> what are we thinking? Where's your coffee? Reed's retching again. Mm. Okay, I am now going to have it with the tonic water. <gasps> Why do we do this? Why can't we just have nice cocktails? Right, I've put in quite a lot of tonic water. Mm. So now at this point, it oh. looks like a, um, it's a light brown sort of, it looks a little bit like sort of cloudy apple juice. I'm trying it with the tonic. That was super strong, then. Hey, I'll tell you what. Is that a treat? That is much nicer with it, the tonic. It's Drinkable? No. No? It's, it's almost like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of botanicals in there, but... There's something very bitter in yeah, it. Yeah, something there? very bitter. I don't know what it was, but maybe the wormwood, maybe. Maybe, but I tell you what, that's gone. That's gone. Into, it it feels like someone's taken lawn cuttings and put them into water. It's quite grassy. Very, yeah. very, 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 very grassy. I mean, I wouldn't trust it with a secret. It's <laughs> <laughs> a terrible joke, but I'm leaving it in. I think I'm going to drink this. You're not going to drink that. We've got mm. better gins. Okay, so. The oh god, what do you like? 
you just drinking that? Yes. You urchin. So the the verdict on Pearl with warmed with beer. Matthew is again retching at the actual thought of oh. it. I, I'm going to give it a four out of ten. Because yeah, you're an idiot. How many kaflars are you giving it? Uh, one kafla. It wasn't as bad as Pearl, which as dogs nose. Uh, yeah, as dogs nose. That... Oh god. <laughs> Drink your coffee. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> what is the matter with that? It's making me tongue go weird. It could be the wormwood. You may be having a side effect. Oh, God. Well, be careful what your, uh, what your side effects are. Oh, get rid of that. My mouth is burning. Yeah, it's wrong. <laughs> right. Well, uh, wait, wait, wait. So, yes, yeah, so the verdict on the... Uh, oh. On the... Pearl that is uh, not diluted with tonic water, no ale, just pure infusion. It is the worst, the worst thing, thing I've ever I, tasted. Yes, one of the worst things I've ever yeah. tasted. It's like the stuff they put in stuff to make you spit it out. Yes. So you don't swallow poison. To induce vomiting, yeah. yeah. Bitrex, I think yes. it's called. Yes, yes. Um, so that's, that's a zero out of ten. Yeah. And then when you put the tonic water in... It becomes Bitrex with tonic it water It becomes in a it. four. It becomes a four. It, it's nowhere near four. Mm. What is your zero? Well, maybe we can find out what my zero is in future episodes. Right, well, that's it for episode three. Episode three comes to an end. Thank you for listening. Yes, thank you indeed. Uh, Do join us for, let's call it episode four. I think think we'll call it episode four. It's uh, part four of the timeline of the history of gin next week and more hilarious antics. Antics galore. Yeah. Uh, Okay, well, we'll speak to you next week. Toodle pip. Toodle pip. Mother's Room podcast was written and performed by Matthew Reed and Sarah Dunley. Theme tune written and performed by Holly Jazz Kotsier.